I see uh, these questions. Some of them are left over from yesterday's. Is it required to experience all the jhanas to reach uh, liberation? I think I answered this question uh, indirectly today in my Dhamma talk. You don't have to attain all the jhanas to uh, attain liberation. Uh, some even have not attained any jhanas and still attain liberation. But uh, the person who attains liberation without attaining any jhana uh, has to have a good jhanic quality concentration. That means the person has to overcome hindrances uh, that gives him good concentration, uh, then he gains, uh, uh, he attains the stage of the first level of enlightenment called stream entry. There are many sutras uh, as uh, evidence for this attainment, like uh, uh, Upali Sutta and uh, what they call uh, uh, Supa Buddha Sutta and so forth, uh, you can see individuals attaining stream entry without attaining jhana only by overcoming hindrances. If you are a householder, Besides retreat, how can one practice jhanas? Actually, uh, householders themselves can find, uh, uh, they should find time to be secluded from all the activities, uh, maybe uh, in a separate room in the house or little uh, place in the garden. Uh, some such place they have to select to be away from all other activities and then focus the mind on their uh, practice, especially uh, the breathing and so on. So coming uh, to a retreat would be relatively easier, uh, therefore we uh, leave this to individuals to decide uh, which they can do, because sometimes when they stay home uh, they may feel uh, perhaps secure family environment and uh, in case of emergency they can attend to those things and so on. Uh, considering these factors, some may like to stay home and practice, Others might uh, find it much easier to go to a retreat center and have a retreat to practice more seriously. Some meditation teachers say that one should force the mind into concentration. Others say 
that one should not force the mind, uh, what should one do in jhana practice. Uh, forcing anything uh, may not work. It must come to a person naturally when the person is ready, mood is ready, time is ready, mind is ready, then the person uh, should do the practice more seriously in order to gain dhyāna. To make everything right, one definitely must keep practicing meditation. (laughs) Without any meditation, all these things will not come together to make, to bring the right moment. In order to get the right moment, you should keep your meditation practice very regularly. Then one day you might think, oh, boy, it is so wonderful, let me try to gain jhana. So that will happen. Are we to focus on sustain and apply thought to reach the uh, seek and maintain the first jhana or on breath? A former, which is the role of breath, in this process. Now, uh, you don't focus your mind on sustained thought and applied thought to reach the, to maintain the first jhana. Uh, you have to uh, focus your mind total attainment, not only sustained applied thought or sustained thought and not picking one particular aspect of jhanic uh, qualities or jhanic factors. But the total attainment, total experience, uh, you should focus your mind on. And uh, <coughs> however, uh, your breath is going in and out, in and out, in and out, and that always is is present. So when the total experience is uh, not very clear, you stay with the breath, and then again you will be on the jhanic experience again. So these are the two alternatives that you will have, the breath and the total experience of jhanic practice. We have to seclude unwholesome state of mind to reach jhana, but we also rely on reaching jhana to seclude wholesome state of mind, which are, which one can come first. Secluding from unwholesome mental states come first, naturally. Without secluding yourself from unwholesome mental states, you cannot come practice or gain jhana. And therefore these two not, are not uh, interchangeable or alternate uh, uh, situation, no alternate or, or altering 
one over the other, always overcome mental impurities, seclude yourself from unwholesome mental state first, and then the rest follows. Would you please repeat the eight additional qualities of the fourth jhana? Okay. Purity, Parishuddha, Pariyodhata, white, clean, Mudu, soft, Kamani, pliable, pliable, very flexible, steady, and uh, imperturbable. Did I say all day? Madhubhuta, Kamanya, Parishuddha, Paryodhata, Anangana. Uh, pure, clean, no stain, no idiosyncrasies, uh, soft, pliable, steady, and imperturbable. These are the eight qualities. I find it easier to experience the first jhana in the morning. Is this normal? It only lasts for a few minutes. Yes, it is very normal. Gaining jhana in the morning, gaining concentration in the morning is easier. In the towards evening, our senses are tired, mind is tired, and in this temperature, especially towards the evening, everything is weak and difficult to gain concentration. So morning is the best. For good reason, because morning you have uh, uh, rested at night, although some people cannot sleep because when it is too hot, I don't think too many people can sleep well. But however, assuming that you had good sleep, your senses are calm, you are relaxed, mind is fresh, therefore in the morning concentration is very good. Wondrous initial thought and sustained thought through uh, to move from first jhana to second jhana. What is the method to move from the second jhana to third jhana? I think I have to repeat the same thing, same method when you are in the First jhana you keep repeating. Every jhana you attain, you have to repeat it because you can lose it. You keep repeating, repeating, repeating until you are quite uh, familiar with it and master it. Then when you are 
mastered that particular jhana, whether it is first, second, third, then mind will no longer be there. It looks for something higher than that, naturally, because the mind is very same like anything else, diminishing return. <laughs> Your original enthusiasm slowly diminish, and then mind looks for something different and goes to the next higher level. So you naturally eliminate lower level and move yourself up to the higher level. In the Danta Bhumi Sutta, the Buddha says one practices the four foundations and then is able to directly enter second jhana. How does this happen? I think in Danta Bhumi Sutta, the Buddha does not say that you can attain second jhana directly. Uh, if you read the passage, you see the Buddha says uh, the same thing as you see in the, uh, this formula, having uh, uh, overcome, let me see the passage, With, with the subsiding of applied thought and sustained thought, one enters and dwells in the second jhana. When you read, with the subsiding of applied thought and sustained thought, it naturally implies that you have already attained applied thought and sustained thought. It is these are the two states of the first jhana. You have already attained the first jhana. And therefore when you attain the second jhana, with the subsiding of applied thought and sustained thought, applies. So Buddha mentioned this clearly in the sutta. After reading this question I had little time to go to the sutta. And that is why I can tell with uh, confidence and request you to read the sutta again, and you will see it uh, very clearly. Since you have already attained it, when you attain the second jhana, you overcome this applied thought and sustained thought. Uh, normally, <coughs> no one can attain higher jhanas without going through the lower ones. Even the Buddha, when he attained the, when he was going to pass away, he attained all the jhanas. All he started from the first, second, third, fourth, and so on. When he came down, he came down from the fourth, third, second, and first. The order always is there. 
despite keeping a daily uh, meditation practice, when I go back home, I feel like the clarity and the uh, potency of my practice diminishes after I have fit uh, fit. What advice do you have for us to maintain the fruits of our practice when we are retreat, when we have retreat, particularly those of us who live in, a, in a major cities where the senses and senses are naturally uh, overstimulated by uh, noise and general busyness. Actually, it is not. It is a real challenge. I know that, and therefore, even in cities, I believe people can find uh, time. Uh, one advantage uh, in cities, living in cities, is that uh, everything is readily available very quickly. You don't have to drive too far for shopping, uh, for various things. Things are very easily, readily available here and there. So they can save little time, uh, traveling time. And so uh, many, especially in modern society, so many gadgets, so many machines. I think people, uh, they are not very expensive also. Very easily they can get. So because of this, the machines are invented to save time. <laughs> Unfortunately, we add more machines to spend our time. Therefore, using your machines, save your time and use that time to meditate. I think uh, even at home, with all these uh, problems, uh, busyness and all this, uh, if we have uh, uh, serious commitment, determination uh, to practice, then we certainly can find time. And I advise uh, people who live in cities uh, to use the opportunity uh, to practice. Especially there must be what is called spiritual urgency. Spiritual urgency. Our life is busy, we have little time, we are still healthy, we are not very sick, and therefore we must make use of this uh, uh, advantages to uh, find time to practice. Uh, then they will, uh, I believe, that might help them to practice. Should we be doing only samatha and meditation, or uh, once the mind is concentrated, 
should we do an insight? Now, as I said, uh, if somebody is very, very much interested in practicing samatha meditation, that means concentration meditation, by all means do that. And uh, then the person, when the person gains high level of concentration, in that concentrated state of mind, one begins to see very un indisputable truth. That is every tiny little thing is changing all the time. Awareness of change, awareness of impermanence, this is my favorite, when I say more important, about impermanent people think Bhanteji is very old. He is talking about impermanence because he knows that he might die any time. We are young. Who cares for impermanence? We are tired. You may think that way. <laughs> Friends, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Because so many things happen in my life. When I look back, I don't see any of them now. All are gone. You look back of your life. What do you have with you now? What really you have? experience countless beautiful things, countless bitter things, sight, seeing, smell, taste, touch and so forth, where are they now? They all are gone. So we don't see them very clearly. When we gain deep concentration, we can see this happening this very moment. What is happening now has happened all these years in the past. Nothing different. Nothing different. Things are changing, 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 all. Now it is almost 5.30. When we woke up, it was 5.30 in the morning. Now it is 5.30 in the evening. In between, what happened to the time? What happened to our feelings? The taste of food. All are gone. And now we are tired. In the morning, fresh. Where is the freshness now? Gone. When wake up in the morning, where is tiredness? Gone. So countless things always happen to us 
and they all disappear. So when you practice inside the mindfulness or concentration, meditation, when the mind is fully concentrated, you can see these changes taking place in the minutest way. Change doesn't take place all, all of a sudden like this. They are changing slow, very quickly, every fraction of the second. And therefore, if you want to practice samatha meditation, concentration meditation, go ahead, do it. One day, or in any time you gain deep, good concentration, you see impermanence. So Buddha said repeatedly, many, many, many times, samahitam chittam yatha bhutam pajanati. Concentrated mind sees things exactly as they are. Impermanence is not artificial, not created by scientists, no, no. Impermanence is there. And that we can see, we can see what is there. We can see what is there when we gain true, deep concentration. That triggers your insight. Insight is, oh, panya in Pali, panya, always defined udayabbe jnana. Panya means udayabbe jnana. Uday means rising, why means passing away. Awareness, knowledge of impermanence, rising and falling is called panya, wisdom. We are deluded. We like to be deluded. Delusion is a bliss. Ignorance is a bliss. But suffering lies under that. Wisdom is more blissful and suffering will vanish because of our understanding, because of our wisdom. Therefore, friends, this is my favorite subject these days, impermanence. Whether you like it or not, you will, you will have that knowledge, that wisdom when you come to my age. Wait until such time. Wait. Then you, you will not laugh at me. You say, oh, see, see, Pandeji is right. You mentioned stream entry, uh, entrance the other night. Do you think it is possible now for a lay person to become a stream enterer? Have you known any lay or monastic? Uh, I must answer the last question first. Uh, Normally, stream enterers don't put a sign on their chest saying, I'm a stream enterer. 
Like some people, when they want to observe silence, they put a sign here. I am observing silence. So everybody respect me. Well, we can do that. But stream enterers never do that kind of advertisement. Nor do they write on their forehead, <laughs> back, or shirt, blouse. No. All in the mind. When they behave, when they behave, we will know this definite person definitely is stream enterer. No talking about himself or herself, too much, no, too much. Pride, pride is a virtue in society. Oh, I'm so proud for such and such. For him or her, it is just a very trivial thing. Person is humble. The person will do things with full, utmost confidence. That person has the confidence in the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha and the principle of morality. No doubt. <coughs> no ego. No following rituals. Because the person knows rituals have no place in the spiritual practice, no place. If you see these three things in somebody, don't ask, are you a stream enterer? Don't ask. You make your own conclusion. Lay person, man or woman, can attain that state and they, once they attain it, they live very quiet, peaceful time without too much uh, publicity. So it is possible. Don't ask me, what, can we do it today? So long as Dhamma exists, it is possible. And Buddha gave that guarantee. So long as Dhamma exists, so long as people understand it, and put them into practice. You know, it is uh, not something provincial or uh, some kind of a pe pe periodic uh, attainment. So long as Dhamma exists, people practice it, they can attain it without any question. <coughs> Few years back, when I did metta meditation, when I thought, may all beings be happy. A warm, compassionate feelings arose in my heart. I was developing it uh, until it uh, uh, profused. But now, with those same words, that feelings does not arise easily. Checking my mind, it does not have anger or hate, but the warm feeling is missing. What should I do? Should I only try anapana? Please send <coughs> You know, 
initially you may have warm feeling, but you are not to avoid the warm feeling afterward. You are still having warm feeling. Uh, it becomes, it has become so ordinary now, so ordinary, and therefore you may not have that warm feeling. Your compassion is there, your friendliness is there, and uh, uh, your uh, feeling is not as fresh and uh, warm as it was, but it is there. <coughs> so you don't have to do anything, you keep practicing it, you keep doing it, you don't feel like hurting somebody, you don't like uh, hating somebody, you don't like killing someone, and you don't like harming anybody. So it has already settled down in your mind. Metta practice, metta. This is right, I, what I said. First you verbalize, then uh, uh, you uh, think, and then you feel the feeling at, at the beginning. Of course, anything at the beginning is very, very awesome. And later on it settles down, then you take it as an ordinary thing. At the guts level, you don't hurt anybody, you don't feel like saying things to hurt anybody and doing anything to anybody to hurt. You feel. That's enough. And therefore you keep practicing. Why do the monks all have both shoulders covered in this heat? I myself ask this question. <laughs> you know, we feel uh, uh, in hot countries like uh, Sri Lanka, India, Thailand, Burma, Laos, and so forth. We don't wear shirts at all. Keep this side completely bare. But if uh, you, you all, you people may all understand, but out there in the world, in this country, still people think that we are already crazy. <laughs> and when we go, covering only one shoulder, they will throw stones at us, thinking that these are, these are lunatics, they must be in prison, in what you call asylum, lunatic asylum. Only women are permitted to cover only one shoulder if they like. Men, no, no. People like to see women's body, they don't like to see men's body. So if you go with bare shoulder, that will not be very pleasant in this society, especially because of this society, since it is still not uh, matured 
in Buddhist thoughts, since still they are, we, we think, they think we are strangers, we uh, came from the moon. So, this unidentified object. <laughs> Therefore, we have to be very careful not to uh, offend people and uh, get ourselves hurt. So we put on this. If we don't go out and don't expose ourselves to people, I myself like to stay crossing on the one shoulder in this weather. When practicing jhana and sound external occurs, if we shift our focus to fully hearing the sound and then back to breath, with this breath uh, absorption O, or will this breath absorption O, is it okay to shift our focus object? No. If you hear a sound, if you are in a concentration meditation meditation stage and gain some degree of concentration and you are focusing your mind, your mind on this attainment, sound may occur outside, you may hear sound, but you will not uh, pay special attention to sound. It comes and goes very quickly, and mind will stay on your focus, on your uh, concentration. So don't stop your concentration in order to go to the sound. Let the sound come and go. You stay on your practice. Don't break it. I was taught meditate, to meditate using a mantra. When I am observing my breath, the mantra comes to my mind. Can I use the mantra to enhance concentration in jhana meditation? Uh, I would say no. Uh, uh, You know, as I said, our purpose is not just gaining concentration, not only concentration, there are many other wholesome mental factors. And therefore, we want to stay fully awake, alert of uh, what is going on in, in our mind along with concentration, using concentration, we must know what is going on in the mind. Mantram is not always our natural thing. This is artificially introduced to us in order just to gain concentration. That concentration does not have the jhanic qualities and therefore as you know, when you focus your mind on a flame of a light, 
you may gain concentration. When you focus your mind on a flower, you may gain, and you, that's what's called absorption. You, people say you become one with the object. Then what? You become one with the flame. Then what? You cannot go beyond that. Similarly, <coughs> our purpose of gaining jnanic concentration is to know what is happening, what is going on uh, in our mind and body without any distractions and therefore uh, using any sound, any mantra, I would not uh, recommend. What are the exact steps to attain dhyāna? In order, uh, please. Uh, I will explain this because it takes a long time, so I explain this in tomorrow's talk. So I put it aside for now. <coughs> I still do not know the steps following, and also the same related to the same question. Okay. I frequently notice when I am meditating that there is a subtle level of aversion underlying my practice. It's like a subconscious feeling of resistance to meditating. How do I work with this? I think uh, this is where you have to have uh, zeal, uh, interest in the practice. Uh, if you don't taste the peace you gain in meditation, it is sort of boring. And uh, may you, you may even uh, dislike it. Uh, you may even think that you are wasting your time and so on. Uh, these sort of negative reactions will appear in our mind when you do not taste the peace, peace of meditation, <coughs> peace of your concentration. Look at your mind, look at your body, see how much you relax, how much less stress you have, how much peace you experience. Look at these benefits that you really experience, and they are very good uh, uh, incentives for you to continue the practice. When you don't see any of these things, you may feel meditation is boring. So, honestly look at yourself. Uh, perhaps you may even compare yourself from uh, what you are experiencing now with before you came to meditation, before you started meditation. <coughs> before you started meditation, your mind has become much, much more chaotic, 
full of stress, tension, anxiety, worry and so on. But after meditation, when you started meditation, they slowly, slowly subside, removed from your mind, became weak. That alone is a wonderful experience. Think of those experiences, think of those benefits. That would uh, take away your dislike or resentment or boredom. <coughs> when I focus on my breathing, do I focus on one nostril or both? Friends, unless one nostril is blocked by mucus or sinus problems, uh, your nose, nostrils are open. When the nostrils are open, when you breathe, breath goes through, the, through both nostrils. If you close you know, one nostril with finger, then you can have only one nostril open. <laughs> Otherwise, nostrils are open all the time. So when you breathe in and out, don't try to uh, force yourself to focus your mind on one nostril. This is very, very unnatural. If somebody gave you this advice, I don't know what I can tell about that person. A friend practices meditation of Hindu tradition. He offers to teach me some uh, techniques to gain concentration. Should I use his techniques or should mix Buddhist and Hindu traditions? I would say no. Uh, <clears throat> I must ask you, when you have diamond, why you want to go for go for copper? <laughs> I don't run down other religions, but the Buddha's meditation technique, meditation system, I think is a very very good system. Other traditions also have meditation system. But once we start this practice, we want to do it to the very end. Don't change horses in midstream. <laughs> Continue your Buddhist meditation practice. I have great respect for my Hindu friends. I lived in India. I have many, many wonderful friends among Hindus. Uh, but I want to stay with Buddhist practice, partly because I was brought up in that tradition, and therefore I'm more familiar with this practice. Uh, and I can see uh, benefit of this practice and therefore I would not mix it up with anything else. 
What is the most important aspects of Buddhism to teach beginners? <coughs> most important core heart of Buddhism is four noble truths. But it is too lofty for a beginner. And therefore we would start with uh, Uh, practicing metta meditation, meditation on compassion, meditation on uh, appreciative joy, things like that, very simple things we introduced. Friendliness, metta meditation, friendliness, anybody can relate to this subject. So we want to be friendly with everyone, human, animals and all other living beings. Nobody can reject that, nobody can uh, dispute it and therefore perhaps that may be the beginning. And also living friendliness is whole mark of Buddhism, the Buddha's teaching. Uh, entire teaching as what is called one taste, taste of peace, upasama sukha. And this peace comes from the practice of friendliness. If everybody is friendly, who wants to fight? So we introduce this uh, to people at the beginning who know nothing about Buddhism. In order to gain jhana, should I turn my attention from the breath to the pleasant sensations? Should I try to enlarge these sensations through the body? <coughs> Sensation Uh, can be used as an object of meditation. Uh, that is one object in uh, Satipatthana, Maha, uh, in Shula Satipatthana, four foundations of mindfulness. Uh, number two is uh, feelings. Uh, sensation is also feeling. Uh, using that one can uh, practice meditation as a good subject. But don't always look for pleasant feeling. And sometimes you can uh, uh, introduce a, a pleasant feeling. Uh, it may not actually be pleasant, but it is artificially created pleasant feeling. We don't create anything artificially to focus our mind on. We rather focus our mind on natural feeling. It can be pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, uh, with greed, without greed and so on. Various type of feelings there. As feeling arises, 
we focus our attention on that feeling and as it fades away we become aware of that and if it increases we become aware of that slowly and gradually we adjust to the feeling uh, until we see the feeling turn into pleasant feeling it turns into pleasant feeling that happens slowly and naturally and we become aware of this slow natural growth of feeling changing one feeling into another then there is no any excitement the mind calms down again and body mind becomes relaxed and then we will be able to overcome our hindrances and gain jnana so <coughs> Uh, don't try to find only the pleasant feeling which is not very practical because pleasant feeling does not stay pleasant all the time when it fades away we will end up in disappointment when we know the feeling of where variety of feelings we have then there is no one feeling more specific than other all feelings are alike that kind of universality of the feeling have a general gener- generality of feeling makes the mind calm relaxed and peaceful therefore uh, don't try to find only pleasant feeling with this friend i I have to conclude today's uh, answering. I did very well today. <laughs> In one hour, not answering questions, but time-wise, time-wise I did well. In one hour I answered all the questions.